0: All right. This is EJ Musa with the Naked Truth for September 5th, 2019. This kicks off season three, episode one. And today I have special guest Council Member Stephanie Andres, and we're going to talk about divisiveness and the Johns Creek Council. I have seen that there are several candidates running against divisiveness, but if divisiveness is is challenging the facts, then that is what I seek as a resident of Johns Creek. A gentleman named Kent Altum just sent a flyer out. I just picked it up in my mailbox five minutes ago. Uh, some of the pieces of his platform are bring the council together, and we deserve a council member with a professional approach to end the infighting within our council. Well, I'm not sure what infighting uh, Mr. Altum is seeing other than debating the issues and facts that are uh, before the council, but maybe he and I can talk and we can get a little bit better uh, Clarity on those topics, but either agree with the majority on this council at the present time, or you're called divisive. And that's how it's been on this Johns Creek City Council since council member Andres was first elected. Before that, it was the residents speaking out the public comments that were divisive. In fact, I once had a gentleman on behalf of the mayor come to a JCCA meeting to call me out on a blog piece I wrote because they felt it was divisive because I was questioning the direction of the city of Johns Creek. So, somehow, there are members of the council and the public that seek unanimous votes on the issues. That concerns me. What questions were not asked? What are we missing? And, despite one of the most productive city councils I have seen over the last eight or nine years, we have candidates running on platforms to end this divisiveness. Can't we all just get along? That would be nice, wouldn't it? But this is not friends deciding where to go eat dinner. This is a group of seven people passing laws, affecting our lives, and potentially changing the face of John, Johns Creek forever. Divisiveness, as used in our town, is being used as a bullying tactic. And while it works on some, it does not work on all. Let's talk with Council Member Stephanie Andres as we examine whether what we have is divisiveness or is it really a public debate on the facts and justifications for what this City Council is doing and what it is planning to do. So, thank you for joining us today, Councilmember Stephanie Andres.
1: Well, thank you, Ernest, for having me today. I think it's a great conversation and it's long overdue on talking about council and the term divisiveness. It was brought up when I was reelected back in 17 and I didn't understand it then and I don't understand it now because I would say I agree with you. In that the council is more productive than it has functionally ever been and I've been following council meetings for a good 11 years 10 11 years and what has happened in the last three and a half years is we're actually we actually got to the root cause and discussion about light timing their staff actually admitted that yes, there are things that we can do and the timing of lights have changed. And for some of the discussion that never would have come out had we all just gotten along and there was no dialogue. It was the constant dialogue and the dialogue of the whole council because the, the council as a whole contributes because every one person has a different background. And so that's one thing that we've been able to get through. We've got so many projects going online to help with congestion. It's it's easy to focus on a couple that you know are are behind, but most of which we've got 11 projects in some semblance of a process. And it appears t splos projects aren't being worked on. But um, it, the beginning of the process is so time-intensive that there's you don't see the work until they break ground. And with all the different boxes that need to be checked and eyes that needs to be dotted and T's crossed, it takes it can take years. McGinnis Ferry is a prime example of that. And so some of that dialogue, like McGinnis Ferry, helped enhance the process. It wasn't pretty when the residents were very frustrated and being excluded from the process and losing their property. But at the end of the day, we ended up with a much, what appears to be a much better project and process that is not as invasive and actually more functional. And so it isn't clear to me what divisiveness they're talking about. I see it as functional. I'm, I'm not interested in the drama side from a conversation perspective because that takes away from the conversation about the facts of any topic. And so uh, from a council perspective, I wish that the drama of a decision, it's not an emotional decision. I want it to be a fact-based decision. And I want to know that I'm participating in making the best decision possible because it's not my opinion. It's what I can prove and what the residents can understand. And we should bring the residents along so that they're clear what's going on real time and what's happening to them, about them, with their money, Um, so that they're part of the process and we can have very effective decision making and yes the conversations can be heated but i think that's a good thing because that means you're actively engaged as long as it's not you're not into the drama and name calling you're actively engaged in debate and that's what the process is supposed to be about in my opinion
0: well that's what um, as a lay person who watches many city council meetings and witnesses uh, the dialogue that goes back and forth, it seems that what happens is when someone begins to challenge the understandings or the assumptions for why something has to be done, then we seem to run in a bit of a friction and people seem to get a bit testy. And if all seven council members were up there, ready to have a fact-based discussion rather, over, rather than a emotional discussion, where we've got to do something, we see something similar going on right now, where Walmart and Walgreens and CVS are not CVS. I forgive my, forgive me for that, uh, but Kroger are asking residents or, or people who carry permits not to carry weapons in their locations, and that's a knee-jerk reaction, which doesn't make anybody any safer. And If they were debating the facts we'd have a different conclusion we'd be asking residents who are legally uh, some of the most outstanding citizens in our communities uh, to carry weapons so they would be able to defend themselves but you're correct it's it's been emotional and i I think that it bothers me tremendously as a resident when i see that they would rather have a 6-1 vote rather than a 4-3 healthy discussion on the pros and cons, and th- to get that fourth vote over there, we made sure all the I's were dotted and all the T's were crossed.
1: Right, right. And, you know, it, it, I would say a, a lot of the decisions that the council's making now are stronger and more sustainable going into the future. The Comprehensive Land Use Plan in and of itself, if, if the council had allowed the process to play out and end when the original process was completed, like you had said in, in some of your statements, it would have dramatically changed what Johns Creek would look like if the Comprehensive Land Use Committee weren't allowed to have gone back and done the job they had been asking to do. And so was that divisive? Um, I don't think so. I think even though those folks were frustrated and they were venting either to staff or to council members or in public, I think that's the way that you, you get people to listen if they're not willing to listen to you at face value. And not that they have to listen, but your voice, if your voice is allowed to be heard, then it's a discussion and it's not that you're just talking to a wall. It's kind of like public comment. To me, I think public comment should be more engaging you should be able to talk to people for one the courage it takes for someone to stand up at a podium stare at seven people who may or may not be looking at them who may or may not have an engaging face is intimidating and then to know that you're being videotaped and televised um, and to share your feelings your thoughts and then stare at seven people who can't talk back i mean that that process in and of itself is not set up for engaging the public. Yeah, you can come give your comment, but I'm, I am under no obligation to engage with you. And when you're supposed to be working in a government of the people, for the people and by the people, when they don't feel like they actually can engage because emails can be ignored, phone calls can be ignored. This, the process in and of itself is not productive. So the comprehensive land use plan process happened the way it it did originally council members got engaged staff got engaged and we extended it so the folks that we asked to commit eight to ten months of their life ended up many dropped out i get it they they ended up expending easily 18 to 20 months well if you if people are going to dedicate their time and energy they want to make sure that they're getting it right and there was many heated discussions and i don't find that divisive but typically that term is used to shut down individuals or to shut down a way, of, a way of thinking viewed as, well, they just don't get along. There must be infighting. Well, that's just not the case. There actually is not a lot of dialogue going on behind the scenes. The dialogue is actually happening right there as it should be transparently. And so um, if one is divisive, they all are. And at the end of the day, I did not find the comprehensive land use process in and of itself to be a divisive exchange of ideas. It was a group who wanted to be heard and some wanted to continue, some didn't. Um, but at the end of the day, I think the right, the right document was presented because what would have been presented would have dramatically changed Johns Creek. And um, to me, that's good. That's not divisive. That's the way you get to the right answer. And government is supposed to take time. You're supposed to debate. You shouldn't be able to affect change overnight because you're legally establishing laws that affect people. And if you're exhibiting that much control over individuals without debate or a fight, that's not the form of government we have. That's not a government of the people, for the people, and by the people. And it's not an effective way to to lead, in my opinion, again.
0: Well, I wrote a couple of questions down while um, you were talking because you triggered some thoughts in my head. How much is the um, property tax um, gonna be reduced this year that you guys just voted on recently?
1: We did now, um, and that was was actually really exciting because I had been working to really um, get the council to engage from a budget perspective, the millage rate, and to look at how much the city was bringing in. And um, this year finally was able to um, successfully achieve, and it was a 7-0 vote, a reduction in the millage rate in total for the city government of $2.3 million. And that's huge um, from the government's perspective. And um, excited, I'm pretty excited about that because it is a material number to the city government, which means now we can really look at the budget expenses. Because ultimately that's what we need to really look at governance and controls and figure out what it really costs to run the city at steady state and then what our incremental costs are because right now you know cash comes in and cash goes out and every year easily the city does not spend three to four million on average of money that comes in and therefore it just rolls into reserve well In a balanced budget scenario it you shouldn't have anything left over so really driving that discussion on effective budgeting is a good move so I'm excited for one to have the tax cut for residents but for two to have the opportunity to really now talk about the expense and the budget process um, to really look at what it costs to run the city day-to-day, managing what's prioritized and how much money is really left over.
0: And how long ago do you feel you started laying the groundwork with discussions for the city council to achieve what it did with this 7-0 vote? Would you say it was the first year you were elected?
1: Yes, well, the first year that I was elected, there was a conversation to reduce the millage rate headed up by, at the time, Councilman Bob Gray and, and Councilmember Lenny Zabrowski and I. And, um, it was a solid argument requesting a $2 million reduction from a cost perspective presented, um, some facts related to that. Um, and ultimately it was a four to three vote to reduce it a million dollars. And that would have been for fiscal year 17 in the summer of, or no, that would have been for the millage rate for 16. And what's interesting in Johns Creek is when we um, look at the millage rate, the millage rate vote for the year is happened somewhere in July, August, but that's effective for fiscal year of that year. So in 16, the fiscal year is how they work at the city of Johns Creek is it's October 1st to September 30. So if you think about the vote happening July and August, it's for the prior October 1st to the almost end of the fiscal period, September 30. So you're 10 to 11 months in when you're making that vote for last year's millage rate. So in 16, we reduced the following year a million, but what's critical is then how is it budgeted for the next year? Because really that dollar amount, then there there's a desire to Increase that for cost of living or something like that and then build it into the budget to spend that money for the following year So 16 would have been my first year being involved in it, but it would have been 17 and then fiscal year 18 and 19 where I was actually able to provide some information and start guiding a dialogue um, about the millage rate and about the budget and it was for fiscal year 19 look back that I was able to um, really present a case in a manner I believe that helped facilitate because it was already showing in the financials particularly through this last year when, when the city manager would go through his report I talk about the financials which is critical where are we landing and where are we projecting? And it was clear that we were projecting to have at a minimum $4 million um, extra left over. Um, and at that point, if you're doing the look back and with all the property tax issues we've had, even though Johns Creek is a small portion in the complete tax. Um, it doesn't mean that incrementally we're not in in, impacting the process, depending on who the individual is. And so it was clear that it was time to roll that back because there was no justification to keep it. And that I think is, is a great move for the residents.
0: And wouldn't you? I mean, in my observations during those meetings were the previous years where you were trying to help accomplish a uh, property tax rollback that there was, there was argument between the council members and, Uh, Some people might in our community might even have said it was divisive, uh, the debate over whether we cut taxes or not. And um, my point would be that, you know, those conversations over those multiple years, which individuals did not want to participate in, finally led to a $2.3 million reduction in property taxes for for the residents of Johns Creek. To me, that's a process that's working. That's a process that I want to see replicated going forward, that we have those conversations and that sort of debate, and then we come to a conclusion where it's for the benefit of the residents. So that leads me to my next question for you. Are you on the city council to be friends with the other city council members?
1: No, no, I ran for office to effectively represent the residents of Johns Creek. In my opinion, Um, having watched, I've been, like I said, I've been engaged in the meetings for a long time and I struggled with the lack of engagement And dialogue and information and decision-making on an array of topics and I finally just decided my husband and I talked about it and you know it made sense to give it a try and so I'm not up there to be friends with people it's like a job I didn't go to work I work full-time and so in my job I didn't go to work where I work to be friends I went there because I had a skill set I was made an offer and it was an environment I wanted to work in, and so the city council is the same way. I wanted to effectively represent the residents of Johns Creek, and you know, if you become friendly with people, like in your work environment, that's always a bonus. Um, but if you, if your desire was just to be friends with everyone, then that can interfere with your potentially your ability to effectively do the job because it becomes emotional. That's not to say that I'm not friends with people. Um, but my goal is, and my my, um, my loyalty is to the residents of Johns Creek first.
0: Well, you know, one of the things we always hear and I think one of the problems that we have as a community is that they say you don't talk about politics and you don't talk about religion. And so here we are in the City Council with members and you have to talk about politics up um, there. And I think it stresses some individuals. I've seen some stress in individuals up on in that City Council when we're dealing with politics. And I think it's, they would be better served if they thought they were doing the job first. Friendship, maybe not really concerned about being friends, but I am concerned about representing the public and what um, the requirements are for me to fulfill that position in their eyes. So my next question would be, can there be compromise or can you meet in the middle on every issue that you face?
1: It's a, um, I don't, no I don't think so and the reason I say that is because for me I'm making my decisions based on the core principles um, that I believe in and I follow and if those core principles are at odds with the decision then if I compromise it means I'm compromising on my principles and what kind of person it's like um, if so I'm a Christian right and if I compromise on my beliefs, then am I really a Christian? Very so in good. politics, you know, my core set is. So you, so you ask me, could I compromise on a millage rate reduction? Yeah, sure, maybe, depending on the dollar amount and how that would work. Would I vote to increase taxes? No, there's no compromise there, because for one, I promised I wouldn't increase taxes, but for two, I've already proven in the numbers that there's no reason for it. And like last year, they, uh, it touted that it was a millage rate, the the rate was reduced, but the city walked away with several million dollars more in cash from an accounting perspective. That's not a tax decrease because people paid more and the city walked away with more money. And so they're going to say, well, the rate was reduced. Well, the rate was reduced and you may use a legal classification to say under the law, but from a moral perspective and from a functional perspective, if the city walks away with more money than it had before, how is that a tax decrease?
0: Agreed. And there's no
1: justification to explain the rationale. That's just excuses to to justify a decision. And so, no, I don't think you can compromise, but I don't think you, you people were elected to compromise if it compromised on the very principles that that they said they would stand for when they were elected. Because I believe that I interviewed for a job to work for the residents of Johns Creek. I, I, if I, I lie to them, then how effective, then I've just compromised my my oath to them.
0: Agreed, I, I agree completely with that principle. So I have a couple more questions on this topic mm-hmm. and then we can open it up to whatever you might want to discuss. One um, of the things I've seen where people feel in our community, I've read stuff on Facebook and uh, other social media. Um, we seem to have pet projects that have been brought before the city council, including such items and gateway markers and other other items. And from a resident's perspective, my perspective, the justifications aren't being laid out with complete um, with 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 a, with, a, with a compelling case on why it's needed, and especially for the dollar amount. And so are people that are not getting their pet projects through, or are they feeling that when they meet resistance and they can't really justify it, that these people are standing in the way and that that's a form of divisiveness that they dislike? I mean, wouldn't it be better for these individuals to bring a compelling case on gateway markers, for instance? You know, this gateway marker, we're going to spend XYZ, and it's going to bring in an a return of XYZ plus 8%, for instance. Um, it just seems to me that... That seems to have been a lot of the uh, um, divisiveness that I've seen in city council debates after these people have made presentations and then the city council takes it up, that there's a lot of high-level emotion between members of council. Um, any, any thoughts or feedback on that? Um, you don't have to. That's, you can leave it with I, me. I
1: think I – think, well, so the gateway markers – I guess what I would see, I think – I think in the, over the last 3 years what is changing is that decisions are being made more on the facts presented council's able to engage and they're molding and shaping um, even the information being received from staff so before I was on council the one thing that I noted was that when you would know, establish your budget and then 6 months in 8 months in they do a budget amendment to cover all the topics that weren't included in the budget and they would just automatically approve additional money to the budget. So when you go through your budget process, you, that, that budget becomes an ordinance. All the documentation is in there. Your budget amendment in essence is something you're pushing back and never did prior. I can't say never, that's not fair. In most instances, nobody ever pushed back and said, why are you asking for for more money spent? Find it. Well now, because i'm i've watched that and i believe that because i've seen the budgets there's we're always conservative i always push back and say can you find it so that if they come forward asking for a budget amendment like the police department came forward for a budget amendment maybe four months ago because number one they had um turnover and because of the climate out there um police are quitting because um, of, of what's happening. And then we had some folks that were out on leave and there wasn't enough capacity. And in that, and in the increased need, they wanted more bodies. There's no, That was a strong justification. It was approved, I get it. Um, but for the most part, they've always been able to find the money. So now when police chief, as an example, came forward with the body cameras, he was ready for that discussion and said, this money is gonna come from, this is going to replace this expense. It may cost, this much in year one extra, like $30,000, but going forward, it's going to be less. And so it's great to be able to have that discussion because we've actually shifted what was standard into a different direction. And it holds us all accountable to a different degree on what we approved, what we're looking at, how it's going to be spent. You're know, you looking at the who, what, where, when, why, and how, and you're explaining that coming in. So um, I think you were talking about the um, we were talking about the CBB and the
0: gateway markers,
1: gateway markers. So what's that conversation was difficult going through the first time because the CBB did what they needed to do. They provided to council um, their list when they should have. And then the issue dragged on because there was mixed dialogue. It could have been pet projects could have been, there was a lot of emotion built into that discussion. Um, but ultimately the council made a decision, but there was emotional conversation, which I understand, uh, from the CBB's perspective, their views. Um, but it was a motion that then drew the topic back to council. Um, and just from a functional and fact based perspective, a lot of work had been done to come to consensus. And it's that emotion that that overturns the initial discussion and so i want to get away from that i mean if you make a decision no matter what side you fall in, you move forward and it's going to come back again next year um and i think we are starting to get to that point because it also rose it it highlighted some interactive um issues that Existed between the CBB and the council that I think have now been ironed out, um, stronger governance in the process. And, um, you know, I think the council, the hard part for the gateway marker was that the money from CBB could be used on initiatives that are already in the priority hopper. And so hopefully we can get common ground, but the CBB was brought into that late, right? we weren't governed and then you had a motion that took over the discussion so hopefully next time um, because it'll come back again um, the president of the cbb had come forward and had given their uh, i think quarterly update we kind of talked about when she said we would be getting that list in october and i would like to believe that that process is going to be much better going forward it's not about emotion it's about making the right decisions
0: for the people of john's creek very good so here's my final question on this topic um, staff recommendations, it, there's a sense when a staff makes a recommendation to the city council that there are some members on city council who expect uh, that recommendation is to be accepted as, as presented or close to it. And I appreciate others that question the recommendations and dig in because I don't know what inputs the staff were given on any specific topic. And I'll go back to the original conversation we, you were brought up was the traffic lights. You know the staff had made recommendations we had perfect traffic lights the best in 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 you know the world um you know the john's creek herald you know uh, hatcher heard said if there's a better traffic light system in around he wants to see it because it doesn't exist and then you know others such as myself continued to challenge that no it's not as advertised and we challenged it and now we've got a staff that has accepted that there was something wrong and has made quantum improvements out on 141. I can't tell you how much improved the traffic is today versus just 12 months ago. But had we not challenged the staff on that, had had we not gotten enough council members to challenge the staff on that, we we wouldn't be here today with the improved traffic for everyone. So is there a tendency that some members of city council want to just always accept staff's recommendations? And should we or should we continue to challenge and make sure that you know all the eyes are that we've covered all our bases on these decisions that we're making
1: i, I can't really fully um answer the question from the other council members perspectives because i don't i only can recite what they've said i can't i can't be in their head and know exactly what they did or didn't research what i can say is that over the last three and a half years more challenging from a productive perspective more questions more information has molded and shaped um, the dialogue I think because of um, engagement of council members in in the weeds per se of topics um, it has been able to shift other council members views or even from a staffing perspective I think some of the changes for instance the the light timing is a great example of um, the former city manager being engaged with the council listening hearing receiving evidence and then making a change and had that change not happened we wouldn't be where we are with with the light timing Um, and I think that over time that process is going to get better functionally from my perspective having watched Public Works was one of the areas that I was heavily engaged in before and after. Um, I think that the current director has championed some some very good changes. She's led the way um, on the light timing. Of course, her being brought on was by the former city manager. She also is really listening in. She's taking what was mandated from residents on McGinnis Ferry and talking about engaging residents, moving it forward. Is it perfect? No. Are we all perfect? No. But she's listening and engaging differently. She was the one who listened to you about opening up that, that southbound third lane on 141 at States bridge, which um, has made an, a significant improvement. So there's also things that she's required to do behind the scenes that may have to affect change, but I think in the end, Mm -hmm. we're definitely on a different path and had council members not been in, the 141 restriping is a prime example of where you know, potentially we were being led down a path, told one thing, but it was council members who were not willing to let that go. And so Councilman Bradbury found the memo where it originally requested that it be for widening. At the end of the day, make the argument to widen. If that's what you wanna do, and be transparent about it like i said for the residents and the council members so everybody knows that they're making the right decision so i think we're going in the right direction it's it sometimes going in that direction it's not pretty if it were pretty and easy to get there we would have already been there but i think we are in a different spot than we were just two three years ago
0: very good i agree i think um, i think i'm seeing better decisions overall being made despite um, what some people call divisive uh what i call it is um uh, a fair and open debate on the issues and and we're driving towards a more fact-based decision-making process over emotional um, basis so i think yep. that's very positive so well that's all the time we have today with council member stephanie andres um i do thank you so much council member andres for all of the uh the things that you have been able to accomplish my pocketbook thanks you for the 2.3 million dollar um property tax cut um i'm sure the rest rest of the residents who know that uh, when they see it um, will also be uh not knowing who to thank but they will be grateful for it and so on behalf of them i'd like to thank you for that as well and hopefully we can get together in the near future and talk again and that'd be great and um, i'm sure the residents uh i love to hear directly from you versus, um, um, you know, translations or or bits and pieces that uh, could be misused or misquoted in the newspaper and other things. So once again, thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Ernest. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much.
0: All right. And so that's this episode of EJ Musa and the Naked Truth for September 5th, 2019. Remember when you get your property tax bills and you see that your John's Creek property taxes have gone down Take a moment and send a letter to the Johns Creek City Council and thank them for rolling back your property taxes. If you want to contact me, you can contact me at ejmosa at ejmosa.com. Send me your email, send me your questions, send me your feedback. I'm always looking forward to it. Once again, this is E.J. Musa with The Naked Truth. Thank you.